0: Episode two hundred and one. Thomas Vanek joining us as he always does on Tuesdays. Morning, Banner. How's it going, buddy?
1: Doing great. Morning, fellas. Good to see you guys again.
0: Yeah, it's good to be seen. We're uh, we're being basically told we're idiots as per <laughs> as per usual on, uh, on the old social media truth train here. So uh, yesterday, Riv and I came on and we, you know, we posted a soundbite and it sounded something like this. Nobody scares me when it comes to the Sabres team, Philly, Seattle,
1: nobody. This team can beat anybody. So. Yeah, but you're not wrong with that statement. I think that team has proved over the last month that they can beat everyone. And and, and so rightfully so, you're not going to win every game. Yep. You can't live and die. It's not the NFL. There's not 17 <laughs> weeks. There's 82 weeks, if you want to put it in football terms. There's 82 games. And you know as far as philly i mean that's not a record that you look at and you want to lose to but at the same time it is a tordorella team that they're going to play hard every game they're going to be structured you know what are you going to get out of the philadelphia flyers with Tortorella as a coach and games like that happen
2: yeah i, I think th- there there is no panic you know watching the game last night sabers looked off they were not uh they were not engaged uh, in their mind Um, their passes were, were off there. It it just seemed like they were a step behind Philly who actually came out really, really hard and played really well. They capitalized on opportunities, got up after the first period, they were up three, nothing. And at that point in time, games are over. I I hate to say it, but you know, there's not too many teams that come back from a, a three goal deficit in the first period. I mean, it just, it is what it is. They did not play their best, I think it's um, I think it's something where Don Granato is going to walk into the dressing room and he's going to say, "Listen, we're not even going to watch video. We're gonna we're not oh, gonna another even... one of these.
0: How many of these are we going to have every year?
2: How many have we had this year, big guy? Uh, uh,
1: I think the good teams have probably ten to fifteen of those. I think.
0: but it, you're not going to just where you just throw the them game. away Van, where there's like there's no video at all.
1: It's, if I am the coach, that's how I look at it. I mean, less is more. I mean, that's sometimes, you know, I, I think sometimes these coaches, especially the latter of my, my own career, I can speak of, I mean, the amount of video they did, in my opinion, video is good for about five to eight minutes. Anything that's over that, 99% of guys, actually 100% of guys, they just kind of nod their head like a, a two-year-old and be like, "Yeah, uh-huh, you got it, yeah, uh-huh." And they're in their, in their mind, they're like, "Let's get the fuck out of here and go practice and get better."
0: Except for the guys that want to watch their own shifts right on the bench.
1: <laughs> yeah, there's a few of those. Uh-huh.
0: <laughs> I can't figure that out for the life of me.
1: <laughs> yeah, so I, I don't know. I, I I think it's exciting that they put themselves back in a conversation of of you know being a playoff contender right there. I think that this, I mean, we're in January. I mean, you look at the past, what, 14 seasons? How many times do they have meaningful games in in January before the All-Star break or even they're usually out February by this point? Right. So again, it's not what people want to hear, but at the same time, it is. It's exciting. It's, It's a step in the right direction. I mean, the fans the other night against Minnesota, I mean, I haven't seen a building like that in a long, long time. And sometimes it happens, you know, emotions, you, you get a high, you get a big win in overtime. And at the same time, you got to give Philly credit. I thought they they clogged up that neutral zone. They did a good good job taking the speed away from from the fast players on the Sabres. And then it just kind of put them to sleep, really. Uh, it happens.
2: You move on and you yeah. not even worry about it because the team has played really well the last month and a half. You know one of the hottest teams in the league, uh, quite frankly. So they dropped the ball. They didn't play well. I know probably every single guy in that entire room, coaching staff included, knows that they dropped the ball. They did not play well. and sometimes this is a good way to um recalibrate and 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 not overthink things, just uh, get back to work and 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 not, you know they're they're gonna have a tough test. We got Seattle coming in here and Seattle's been playing amazing. I mean, they put themselves in a in a playoff position they're they're uh they're like a they're like this battle tested team with no real superstar, but they have a whole bunch of players that are really tough
0: to play against. so you just hope another that the, tough test. you just hope that the customs agents held up the plane a little bit coming in from Montreal last <laughs> night. you know what I mean? <laughs> just make them stay up an extra 30 45 minutes longer sit on the tarmac customs can't make it out there just yet it's a little chilly got to get our coats on maybe bring That's him right. right into the airport hey eh, boys make him taxi across the runways
1: yeah go into the airport make him go in back on the plane taxi over that should be an extra hour for sure Well, Seattle won.
0: seattle won four nothing last night riv against montreal they're coming in tonight against the sabers but you know I want to go back and 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 say that last night's game can't happen because of where this team is. I get what you guys are saying. I've been in those locker rooms too. I understand that mindset. But from the fan standpoint and the expectation standpoint, and even from the player standpoint, that you have to imagine they're holding on to something right now that they don't want to let go to. And that is a very close position in the playoffs. And I know Philly's not a threat to them but that's why they needed to win that game. Like I could have lived with a Boston loss. Okay. I could have lived with a Minnesota loss. Cause these are, these are teams that I think we would agree are probably maybe more finely tuned for playoffs right now than the Sabres are, but Philadelphia is not.
1: And I think that is a, that's a major dump they took last night. So I understand exactly what you're saying, Petey, but that's, that's a fan mentality, right? I mean, the Mentality that I look at it, I'm I'm still a former player and I, I assess it differently. I mean, two weeks ago, Buffalo goes in and beats Boston. Is that a win you expected? You, no. you cannot you, you cannot look at the calendar and be like, all right, I'm okay with losing this one, I'm okay with winning that. That's that's for a fan we did. mentality. A and I did. <laughs> right. I mean, it because it is it's it is fun to do. But the reality is that's not how it works. I mean, it's it's every night brings different challenges, different reffing, right? I mean, y- you might play a game, start out really good, and, and the ref all of a sudden puts you on, on on the PK two, three times in a row, and it takes the flow away from players who don't penalty kill. And all of a sudden, the, those guys got to find their most – so every, every game plays out differently. The one thing that the Sabres have to do, because I hear it all the time when I listen to different people is – Oh, imagine if the Buffalo wouldn't have lost eight in a row. Well, it, it that's, I mean, I, I get that too. I mean, they go four and four in that span. Now you're in the playoffs. But again, that that's unrealistic. Imagine if they didn't win the whole West Coast trip either. Like it, it's for the Sabres right now. What they have to do is come out tonight and put a good game together. Because if they lose tonight, then you got Winnipeg, just like the, the game we're playing. And then it's a loss, loss, loss. What this team can't afford is to lose four, five in a row again. And that's reality because with 44 games left. They what can't they lose take a... to
2: lose three in a row, Vanner.
1: Right. And even that, because the margin, I mean, 44 games, that's a lot of games, right? Yep. But it's going to take, what, 100 points minimum probably to get a wild card spot. So 44 games left, that's 29 wins. That's like the Sabres of... sit
2: right now 10th in their conference 10th. Okay. They're trying to climb uh, the Islanders trying to, you know, get closer to Pittsburgh and Washington. Here's the thing. They're, they're four points behind the Pittsburgh Penguins who hold the number eight spot, but they're also three points away from being 14th -hmm. in the division. (laughs) This is how close things are. So when you say you can't lose four and five games, I don't think you can lose three games, because three games puts you in 14th. Yeah, and they can't afford that. I mean, if you want to be a playoff team, the the consistency throughout a season, you will always have your ups and downs. There's never been an NHL season for any team ever that has not had a little bit of speed bump here and there. But the teams that make the playoffs are the ones that are the most consistent and don't go on these runs of four, five, six games losing.
1: Well, at so, least multiple times, right? I mean, even the good teams might have a four or five game losing streak, but you can't have three of them. Yeah, but they also
0: have two stints of twenty games or like ten games at a time where they're, you know, nine zero and one or they're eight and two. You know what I mean? Then they do that two or three times. Whereas you know these other teams like the Sabres will have a couple runs like that, but then a lot of times are five and five, yeah, right. four and six, maybe six and four, and then that's where it just kind of all balances out.
2: I have yeah, a question I mean, for you guys.
0: Mm-hmm. So, with with a with a back to back game,
2: and you have Seattle coming in, which is which is a hell of a hockey team that uh, have proven that they're that they're no joke. You know, with a back to back game, um, Jack Quinn and JJ Pachurka, the last number a few weeks n- have not played bad by any stretch of the imagination. Okay, but they have not hopped okay they haven't had that game where you were just like wow this kid line is just insane and chad dominicus wrote um maybe it's time to give uh jack quinn and Paterka the night off on a, on this back-to-back game and insert a really hungry rasmus Asplin and Vinny Henestroza and i i want i want to hear your thoughts on because i i actually agree with it I and and this is not this is not a pee pee slap for for Jack Quinn or Paterka. It's just they are rookies. Sometimes that just that one night where you can just take a step back, watch the game and have a different view of it, recharge the batteries a bit. Maybe this can help them move forward. What are your thoughts on that?
1: I, I I'm with you. I think it's a not a bad idea. Not only to take those two guys out, but at the same time, you got to get these other two guys back in the lineup, right? I mean, as long as again, I'm not in the room. You guys aren't in the room, but if they're bringing good attitudes and they're working their ass off in practice, well, tonight's the perfect night to reward them, right? I mean, last That's night right. you you lay an egg. It's a four nothing game, and just like you said, the biggest thing with a couple guys changing into the lineup. Those guys, they're going to bring excitement, battle level, something that the that, that team's going to need tonight, right? If, if you go with the same lineup, which is okay with, lots of teams do that, right? But at the same time, the other two guys either have to play. What I'm interested in to see, how are you are going to get Lucan back in it? Like, is that a guy you would play tonight? I mean, he's obviously... In Rochester, is, am I right on that? Or is he, it one yeah, of those on, on down. I
2: mean, I would, I would think that they're going to come back with Comrie. Like, he went down for his his, his two-week conditioning stint. He probably played some games last uh, down there, practiced down there. And now he's been called up. He's practiced a couple times with the team. I would think that he, if you're sending Ukepeklukunen down, I would think that Comrie is going to have the next game. Because we both know that Anderson is not playing a back-to-back game. Right. And
1: but but do you guys again, that's another
2: topic, Vanner. It's another topic <laughs> that when you have a winning winning thing going, you do not change it. You do not change anything that you're doing. You got to ride UPL. He's played very well. He's given the team chances to win. And there's just something about when teams are winning. Do not change anything. And I don't care if you have to sacrifice somebody. You don't
0: change something that's winning. According to, um, I think SUPL is going to start tonight against Seattle.
1: Wow. There you go. I think this, this, that move was more of a paper transition. Okay. That's good. To give them a day to figure out because you're right on. You don't change when somebody's hot as, Especially at the goaltending position. I mean, you I mean, we talked about the Devil's hot start. Or or the the start they had and the the what 12 or 13 game winning streak. I mean, did those guys play really well for sure. But I think it all always ultimately comes down to man, that is making saves he shouldn't make. And you gotta ride that. And he's deserved to get more starts. So I'm not shocked at all by that news that he's coming back up, but that means obviously somebody's injured or somebody has to go on waivers today. Um,
0: well, so uh, Kevin Adams spoke to the media before last night's game, and it basically said, these are good problems. We have three guys now that are healthy, that we believe in. We really like where UPL is at. and We want to see them keep getting reps in minutes here. So, I I, I mean, do you remember uh, when we had Marty, Mika, and yep. uh, Millsy here? Mm-hmm. What did what I mean, completely different scenario than this because I think we had three guys that were all vying to try to be starters on the team. And I feel like, you know, Craig Anderson kind of knows his role here. Eric Comrie's trying to stake his claim still in the league. You got UPL and you got all these you got a couple other young guys breathing fire down their neck. But doesn't that kind of create somewhat of a an uncomfortable work environment when you have three goaltenders, because eventually one of them is going to get a little irritated. At least in this particular instance, Comrie was hurt, so it's not like you're hanging on to three like we did. But when you have three healthy guys, it kind of makes for an interesting dynamic. It's great for practice. You know, you can get, you know, you got the third guy there that can stay on and
1: be a bit of a shooter tutor, but I find three goalies a distraction. It, it certainly can be the only thing I can think of that Craig Anderson has been in the league for 20 years. And, you know, maybe that's a conversation you have with him and be like, you know, you've been great for this team in the, in the room and blah, 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 all the things you hear he does. But you're kind of like the goalie coach. You're the mentor to these two. And then, you know, spot duty here and there. I mean. Uh, but it's different because when we played with those three goalies, well, do you think
2: he'd be okay with that? I know he's 41 years old, but let's just hypothetically take the age of a man out of this and look at what Craig Anderson has done in the last, you know, year and year and a half. He's played awesome. Okay. Mm -hmm. He's, he's done everything that you've wanted. And I think he's, an even bigger part off the ice having very, very young players in this league that have to learn how to be a really good person and and, and a true professional. And I think Kevin Adams wants Craig Anderson around what you're just, let me clarify what you're asking is to say to, to have the conversation with Anderson and say, listen, we still want you, but you're going to play maybe a little bit less practice, you know. Give the net maybe more to Comrie and U- Ukapekalukin, and you can be more of a an insurance valve if one of these guys
1: get injured. If is that what you're saying? That's exactly what I'm saying because otherwise it doesn't work out. I mean, I'm sure Anderson is going to be like, no, I, I still can play. That would be, again, it's hard because I don't know him. I don't know the, the room of the temperature. But having three is not not great. So it, it's got to be a decision you either send Lucan down, which is an easy one, which I don't think is the right move because I think he has been the best goaltender over the last four weeks, or you put Comrie on waivers, or you have that conversation with Anderson. Either one of them is not a good situation. So <laughs> what do they have in the minors right now? Um,
2: sub, um suban right and who's who's their other goaltender do we know who the other one is pd do you know
1: that's a
0: a different podcast it was upl and then i think Comrie was there so
1: i don't i don't know i'm sure it's a kid they call up from the east coast yeah yeah Why, why do you ask that? I'm
2: just, I'm, 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 I'm just thinking of depth. Like you need to have depth.
0: You need to have. Why why are we talking about the, the
2: backup in Rochester? (laughs) So I'm just wondering who's down there because the last number of years in Rochester, there hasn't been a full blown number one down there. There's been guys that have shared the net. There's been multiple goaltenders that have shared the net in
0: Rochester. Like last year we had how
2: many, how many guys played in Rochester last year?
0: Beck warm. What do you know about Beck warm river? Absolutely nothing. Okay. Back who's uh
1: Petey, who's the seventh D man in Rochester?
0: <laughs> Ryan Jordan. But you say you, you say that
2: and you laugh, but how many goaltenders did uh, did the Sabres have last year, Vanner?
1: <coughs> I don't know. Six. Six. Out did so, the season goal?
2: So that
0: well that's my whole point. That's my whole point. Michael
1: Hauser's also
0: there, Riff, just just to go along with your point. Go ahead.
2: There, there is no point it's, it's, there has to be, there's going to be a really tough decision made. If you feel, if Kevin Adams feels that Uka Pekka Lukanen is playing as a number one goaltender at the right age of what, 24, 25, which is a perfect age for a goaltender that's had enough seasoning in the minors. And now you feel, as an organization, you give him a chance because they've been inserting Uka Pekalukanen into the lineup the last couple years to give him opportunity. Well, this year, he's taken advantage of an injury to a, a starting goaltender, and he's taken advantage of the net. He's played very well. The team feels very comfortable in front of him. And now you have the management that have been put in a very good situation, a tough situation for a GM, but it it's it's a good situation because ultimately you want Uka Pekalukin, and they drafted him in the second round years ago, so he could be in this situation right now to eventually take over the net for the Sabres. And he's done that the last, you know, month to two months.
1: But he has is- I think he is going to continue to take that net over. Do you actually think yesterday when he was sent down, do you ever do you actually think he got in his car and went to Rochester? You guys know how this works. Um, I don't know. I I can tell you right now. No, there's no way he left Buffalo. This was a paper move transaction because it's an easy one. I mean, you. I don't know if Revs you were around. Maybe Petey was for sure. Obviously. Marcus Felino, remember that one? He, I mean, for a month, because we had injuries, but we couldn't, something couldn't, didn't have enough guys in the IR, but we needed Marcus to play every game, but there's no roster spot. I mean, I remember we would play Vancouver. After a game, he would get sent down. We got on a nice plane, fly to Winnipeg. He has to stay in Vancouver, fly through Toronto and meet us in Winnipeg. And then a game day, he gets called up again. He, I mean, he followed he gets the He
0: reactivated, team. yeah.
1: Yeah, he followed literally followed the team for four weeks.
0: Oh, that's a that's a on, Lou Lamorello legendary move. He was doing that. He <laughs> yeah. he he was Lou was sending guys down to Albany, but they never went to Albany.
1: Never. They were so always I, I, in
0: New Jersey for some reason. Like hey, I right. stay away so from that,
1: the rink today. It's or exactly. get a workout in. Right. So uh, unless unless Kevin, you know, I don't think he's gonna get rid of a goalie. He's gonna keep three, uh, and he's continued gonna. Play him, send him down, or he's gonna make a hard decision and put uh, an Asplund and henestroza on waivers or trade somebody away to make a permanent move so the kid doesn't have to go on waivers every 24 hours or waivers being sent down. That's the whole that's that's the scenario I see playing out because I've seen it before and he he ain't going down anymore. He's he's staying and he's going to play. So let me ask you this Thomas, uh with what you've seen we I don't think we you weren't on
0: last week, right? Were we, mm-hmm. no, 2 weeks don't. ago. So what are you doing with this team then with where they're at? Are you are you looking to to say that the Sabres <laughs> should stand pat with where they're at, see what their players can do down the stretch, see what they have in oh, goal pending, yeah. or are you are you adamant about making a move and bringing in a player or two to try and make the playoffs this year. Like is, is with where this team is at is, are the playoffs important to you with where the team stands
1: right now? Yes. I think they're really important. I think the, the, the young kids, the Thompson's, they need to get playoff experience. Do I make moves? I think I've said this from, from day one, I would make moves for sure. Not just to better your team now, but also going forward. And that's not always easy to do. It's easy to say and be a coach GM and be like, oh, go get me this guy. Go get me this guy. But it's something that I would daily check on to improve the team. That It's as simple as that. Do I think this team is good enough to make a run? I think they have shown. But I, do I look at this team and does it scare me? I don't think so. I think there's we have brought it again. I, I don't think we... You know, you, you you don't have a Marcus Felino, You don't have what's the kid in Arizona we brought up? We like Lawson Krause. Exactly. Like those are the types of players you need in the playoffs. I, I believe that. You know, and, and has so a Casey how many moves you have has to, has to make? Though,
2: how many moves do you have to make to to feel comfortable that when you're looking at this lineup up and down, how many moves are you are you missing to be a legit playoff hockey team?
1: Well, I think the, if UPL can continue to play well, I think your goaltending can – you need goaltending. And the way he's playing, I think he's given you a chance, and most nights he has played. I think you're probably a defenseman or two away, one for sure, and I would say probably two forwards. That would be my kind of easy and again, assessment off of it.
2: Again, what, what – so when you look at bringing in those two forwards, when you look at bringing in maybe a defenseman, are you mm-hmm. looking – at rentals or are you looking at bringing in players that will be wearing a Sabres jersey for years to come?
1: For years to come. I think the way in Buffalo, the way I see it, you have to bring in and build in teams, which either you get an extension in place or the kid, the player has term. Because I don't think you're going to go in the summer on the UFA market and convince good players. That Tage Thompson is the next superstar. Come and help him. You gotta find just like Chris Drury back in the day. Term. Um, you have to find. Danny Briere was traded. Chris for Chris Gratton. Exactly. You have to find players with term. You got to do a good job drafting, which it looks like they have. I mean, look at the Buffalo Bills. I mean, it's it's the same thing, right? They got lucky or or hit lucky, whatever you want to call it, on Josh Allen. And now they're building something, and that's when you get free agents like that Von Miller. You think Von Miller would have came to Buffalo before Josh Allen? No way. But now he sees something that this team is close to winning. You think
0: Stefan Diggs is coming here to take passes from E.J.
1: Manuel or J.P. Losman, Right. Nope. I mean, absolutely and, not. And, and, and do I love Tate? I, I absolutely love him. I think, you know, unfortunately, there's a guy in the league with, it's called Connor McDavid, who's going to win the heart. But I think Tage is right behind them. But I still don't think it's it's just reality that a big free agent like a Bo Horvat in the summer or Dylan Larkin, if he's going to hit unrestricted free agency, they're not going to come to Buffalo. I I don't, I don't and maybe I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong because I would love to see those guys in the Sabers jerseys. But they're going to have enough options where they're not going to pick the Buffalo Sabers. That's yet. why you have to trade for those guys yet. yet.
0: yet yeah. Yeah. And, and and I know exactly what you mean by that. And for clarity, if someone's like, oh, Van or on no, no. It, players will go anywhere if they believe they have a chance to win. And that's your point with Von Miller. That's your, you know, that's your point with what you're saying about a guy like uh, Bo Horvat too. You know, if he's going to have his pick of the litter and he can go to say Tampa Bay, let's just say they could afford him or Buffalo, he's probably going to go to Tampa Bay, you know, yeah, it has I mean, nothing I mean, to do with the sun. It's the,
1: I mean, it's the chance to win. It's the, I mean, look at Edmonton. Edmonton has got two of the top five players in the world, and they can't seem to find, you know, depth guys that still have a lot in the tank left. You know, like Giordano is a perfect example. Unless they're That's way overpaying really, them, Thomas. Unless they're overpaying them. But, I mean, Mark Giordano is still a really good defenseman in this league at, what, 39, 40 is he? And what kind of deal did he take in Toronto? 800 grand. 800. I think that's a guy that could still make 2.5, 3 million probably. But he decided, hey, my career is more important, Winning's more important, and Toronto is a good spot for him where he sees that he can win. And that's the level you eventually good teams need to get to, just like Tampa. They keep finding guys that want to play for a million bucks, the Corey Perrys and stuff like that. And yeah, that's, I mean, they're getting closer to to a team that's looking like playoff ready, but yeah, we'll, we'll, what about we'll the next?
2: I guess my thought is: at what point in time? How long do you need to identify what you have to allow young players to continue to make mistakes and get better? Um, but then all of a sudden, you have an emergence of a team that has taken major strides forward, and at what point in time when you have this war chest of um, first-round draft picks, second-round draft picks, um, multiple first-rounders that you chose last year and last year's draft, we had three of them, um, at what point in time do you look at certain players and say, okay, it's time to start surrounding the younger players that we have here, the core, and, and make, them make make the team stronger make them better not take away opportunity from them but put Mm -hmm. pieces into your lineup where they're they're gonna be they're gonna make the team better
1: and i I, I think think
2: that time is now i well time is certainly
1: now i mean go 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 i mean go through the the roster of forwards and i'm pretty sure the three of us and geo and jr and whoever else we can come up with seven forwards that I would identify as my core group. And then I need, you know, you don't need five more. You probably need seven more, you know, at least six more that you have to improve. And and, and you're right. I think the time is now, but the time is only now if you can get those right players, you know, like... Uh, uh, you know, yeah. th- those Kraus, the-, the guy from Winnipeg, uh, Lowry, the Felinos here in Minnesota, those types of players you need to win, but those types of players aren't given away.
0: I think it's at the draft. This year at the draft, it's going to be tough to try to make those moves at the deadline. You know, there's speculation that the Sabres might be trying to move Portillo at the deadline because he's not going to be a Buffalo Sabre. And I think he's a he's a he'd be a nice chip to throw into a deal to go and try and a- acquire some of those pieces you're talking about. But um, I don't know what piece he would get or if you add something to it. But I think at the draft, you have to wait and see where your draft pick is. But you have those three first rounders from last year. And I think this year at the draft, is it's time to try to grab a couple players with all your young prospects and all the players that you know you're not going forward with and future picks if you have to and start bolstering this roster for next season.
1: Yeah, I mean the draft definitely is, is because then you you work with every team, right? I mean, you, you look at the the standings right now and you give, you know, whoever a call, who a Carolina or a Tampa and hey, hey you you want to get rid of this player? None of them are going to get rid of players. They're going to add players. They want to make another run. But come come the draft, right, the salary cap comes in play and they need to get rid of certain cap numbers so it's easier to make a deal. But, but is that going to... But you're not Sabres improving is in a team. dangerous
2: situation moving forward, though. I mean, it's not like you can just go out and say, hey, we're the team that has all of this money and cap space where we can take on players from your team. Kevin Adams is going to have his hands full trying to sign the players that he needs to sign in the next one or two years. You got to, you got to re up Dylan cousins. You got to re up Rasmus Darlene. You've got to re up in, in two years from now, you're going to have to re up JJ Paterka and, and Quinn. Um, I mean, it just goes on and on and on. There's a lot of money that's going to be put forth in the, in the deep core of the Sabres lineup, forwards, um, defense. And you can't bring in as much as I would love nothing more to bring in Bo Horvat. Okay. He's got 28 goals this year. The guy's having a career year. He's a monster. He's a leader. He's a captain of a team. He's what, 28, 29 years old? You can't mm-hmm. afford him. You just can't afford Bo Horvat. It does not fit into the long term, um, cap for for the Sabres moving forward. They need to find players because they, they pretty much right now have their top six forwards almost signed, sealed, and delivered for the next number of years. Jeff Skinner, Thompson, Tuck, Cousins, Quinn, and Paterka. Those are going to be your top four or top six forwards. Hands down, no question about it. Now you need to sit there and figure out what does your bottom 6 or your 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 other lines that play may play a little differently. In today's game you need to have your it, it's not even a top 6 anymore. You need to have a top 9. Because other teams have top 9 forwards. They're they're elite, they're high end and they score on any given night. The Sabres right now have their top 6 guaranteed for the next number of years and they're going to have to pay those guys a lot of money. So it's going to be a difficult situation moving forward for Kevin Adams. He's already knocked and I mean he's hit grand slams on the contract of Matias Samuelson and Tage Thompson. The two signings that he had before the season starts. Now he needs to go and do it again. To give this team a chance to really be a cup contender someday because you can't overpay players.
1: Yeah, enough. I mean, it is fair enough, but you might have why, to. Though. Why Why can't you fit in a Boer Horvat? There's other teams I look that have multiple, multiple, multiple players that are making anywhere from six to 10 million. Mm hmm.
2: Because you have, you know, you have a Jeff Skinner at nine. You have your yeah. Thompson at seven that starts next year. You're going to have a Dylan Cousins that's going to be anywhere from six and a half to eight million dollars. Um,
0: yeah, but you have, Riv, but you Riv, have your, your Turca- whole top line, your whole top line in Buffalo makes uh, 16, 20, about 22 million dollars. That's what Marner and Matthews make. That's two players. That's two. They, yeah, that's, that's, that's so they fair. have three players on their, your top line between Who's their ski- third line? Or who's, well, their, in tr- who's their the Toronto, other They line have line. your they have your Ingval, your Yarn Crooks, your, you know, those kinds of guys making two, two and a half million that get you, you know, thirty to fifty points, thirty five points. Like Yarncrook is is a is an unbelievable depth player, maybe one of the most underrated depth players in the league in the last seven, eight years. So he, I mean, he has twenty points right now. I think in thirty something games. I mean, that's that's a pretty damn good rate for paying a guy two and a half million bucks. You know, Angval is making two something. So I mean, those guys are your those are your, and Angval well, you know plays up and down. Who else was an that-
2: awesome depth player in Toronto? Mikhailov, Mikhailov, Mikhailov. Yeah. Well, he's gone now and making four point <clears throat> six million dollars because he was an awesome, really cheap depth player. But now he's making money in Vancouver. And that's what happens on these teams that when you have really good depth players, they're eventually going to pop and make make money and make it a nightmare for Toronto to try and sign and keep the team together. And that's why every year Toronto is going to have a hard time because they don't have draft picks. They don't have the money. They don't have the cap space to be
0: able to put these guys under. Um, Kevin Adams toughest job. Is going to be filling out the rest of the roster with the right players under the right salary. Simple as that. Like your middle stat for two and a half, your Olofsson for four points, something, those guys are gone. They have to be gone. And that money has to become clear. Kyle Oposo, six million. I know we're going to give Dylan Cousins six, seven million, but he's going to be on the second line. The hardest job for the general manager, I don't think for any general manager, isn't establishing your
1: stars and paying them, it's finding the rest of the players. It's, it's no finding the rest, but, but again, when you talk salaries and, and it's 6 million here, 8 million here, you also have to just like what Petey mentioned. And I was going to bring up like also is not going to make 6 million next year. He'll, if he's back, he's probably a one-year deal at a million bucks. So there's 5 million. So just because you're bringing in players, I mean, you're losing salary and, and shipping out players that also have a salary out. You you're have to lose, you're
2: losing them. minimal salary. Not minimal.
0: Six million cap hit by five million dollars could get you two unbelievable
1: third line players. I mean, uh, Rasmus Dalin is going to make say say he signs end up signing for ten, but he has another year next year, so there's he has still another t- year. There's still time, but you still have to just like you're saying, you have to kind of look in the future as well. Yep. If he makes ten, well, that's that's only a four million dollar gain, and by only I mean. He's already making 6. He's not jumping from a, a you two know to an ten. entry level from 2 or from 3 to 10. Not that 4 isn't a big number, but it's a number you want to eat and give him all day long the way he's playing, the way his leadership. I mean, he he took his game to a completely different you know where I didn't think he could get to and it was it's on me and he definitely showed me something that I didn't think he had. But man that kid put it together and he's he's an absolute stop you're not
0: alone there thomas everybody everybody felt that way and and i even said today we we're uh, you know we do shred and ragging on tuesdays and we talked about mm-hmm. darlene and i'm like you know this is a guy that i said you know a couple years ago playing under uh ralph i almost call him chad krueger chad krueger uh ralph <laughs> krueger um i said he he looked like an american hockey league defenseman and then i said that's Those aren't my words. Those are Craig's words. But it, but it's at least, I did say that, by the way, Riv. But it's true. There were nights where he looked like he didn't even belong in the NHL. And now he's become, a, in
1: my opinion, a, the running number one candidate for the Norris Trophy. Well, I think he looked like a player who had a ton of skill, great skating ability, who tried to do way too much. And I think now he's got some help. He's moving the puck more. He's, he's making quicker decisions. He's joining the rush. So again, it's 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 you gotta give credit to Donnie Granado. I mean, he found a different level for Tage Thompson, and he certainly found a different level for Darlene to buy in. And then those two guys, especially, they they have taken their game to completely different heights where they were.
0: Anything you wanna add, Riv, because I got somewhere just quickly left hand turn I want to take here. Have you guys seen Connor McDavid socks that he's been wearing his entire career?
1: Yes, I saw that. That's so no, that's gross. go check it out, Craig. We we just
0: tweeted it from our show account. <laughs> it's absolutely disgusting. You know, you wonder how many points he'd have if he actually had some some toes on his socks.
1: It's amazing. It is absolutely. Were amazing. you superstitious, I, I, Van? Not really. I mean, I had you know, I, I had my few few things that I did, but overall, I didn't have. Yeah, but there's a difference between superstition. superstition
0: and regular routine that you right. feel works yes. you
1: know yes to me it was more of a routine i mean i mean we played with guys who you know so many superstitious and and the amount of skates they would go through or sticks you know and i'm like i was like just give me two sticks and they should last for at least seven eight games they'll be fine <laughs> and then you have guys who you know they need three new sticks cut in the same way maybe this one is is a centimeter higher i'm like the hell I mean, my sticks were all they were never the same height I don't know. Someday my back was sore and I was a little shorter and my stick was an inch shorter. And there's
2: a lot of crazy though, man.
1: There is a lot. I, I
2: don't know what happens to, to us all, but, um, you know, from the time that you were very young where you had no real, um, things that you did each and every game you got dressed differently every single time you tied your skates differently you did everything different you were always playing around with taping your sticks differently and it was a lot of fun and then all of a sudden you you i don't know when it is but you just hit a point where the routine of the game the routine of your environment throughout like on a game day I think you just start to hone in because it's like Groundhog Day. An 82-game schedule in the NHL is so mentally and physically draining that it's almost like players start to um, get their their routine down and they build it and then they do the same thing every single day game day every single game it becomes over and over so you almost don't have to put any mental stress into a game day because everything is done the same way over and over again
1: right and then the other thing is I think I, I especially you know junior hockey and college hockey like I, I there's nothing even no routines really it was just taping your stick and warm up and get ready I think those routines come in pro hockey like Riff says because you have so many games and you're at the rank all the time. I mean, you're just I mean, you can only drink so much coffee, right? So you gotta stay busy somehow and find something else to do to to kill time until game time. Well, in junior, you're in math class at two thirty
0: and then you're you're at the rank at five. You know what I mean? So it's like you don't have time to sit around and and wonder, you know, what it is you're gonna do or how you're gonna prepare. It's like I gotta Wait, get up. You a, just go a, and
1: play. Yeah, you just go. You don't overthink it. You just go and play. So, most superstitious
0: I mean, guy you ever played with?
1: Oh God, there's a lot of them. I know Tavares had a lot of things. I think Millsy did did a lot of things. Even Gosted was was crazy. Palmer had. I mean, Palmer. I think he he had to leave his house at like three o'clock to make sure he gets his Tim Horton at at three o nine. And I'm like, dude, why are you going so early? What do you do for like four hours? I'm like, okay, I'll, I mean, seven o'clock game, I would walk into the rank most days at four 59 and like two hours is more than enough. I mean, and that's, but everyone's different. Right. So but again, it's, it's you know,
2: Pommonville wasn't like that when he was in junior or playing no. in the minors. It's, it's something that you build over time and you, I think you become crazier.
1: Well, you do I think what what happens is with guys like him, right? I mean, probably he couldn't nap one day, went to the rink early, picked up a coffee and that that night he had two goals. So he's like, "Oh, th- this was unbelievable. I felt great. Got to do that again next." So then, then it becomes you know, a routine, a, a new routine, and then something else happens and it just adds on and some guys love it. I I wasn't much for it. I was just like get ready to play. Yeah, well, all those I mean, guys were I the remember routines. So I remember, I mean, especially now I see with my own kids and the kids I coach, you know, I mean, they talk about flex and lie on their stick and a certain sharpening. If I remember I, I was 18. I came to college and my first practice with with the golfers here in Minnesota, the equipment manager asked me, uh, I, I went to him with my skates. I said, can you please sharpen my skates? He goes, yeah. What What kind of sharpening? I'm like, what are you talking about? Just sharpen my skates. He's like, well, are you five eighths? Or are you a half? Or I'm like, I have no idea that existed. Sharp. I'm like, I'm like, I don't know, just just sharpen them. I'm like, what is he talking about? I was completely unaware that there was different sharpenings.
0: But it starts, it starts at such a young age. I mean, there are 12-year-old kids that are like, oh, you know, they like them at three eights and this and that. I'm oh, like, yeah. how, how do they even know their feet change, their feet grow, their body changes, yes. their weight changes, everything changes. And all of that should change. Where do you You're think never going to have the same from? fucking rocker your whole life. What's that? Where do you think they home? get it from?
2: They get it from their friggin' batshit crazy mother or father. Like, come <laughs> oh, on.
1: For sure.
2: Like, it's, give it's, me a friggin' break, man. I mean, parents in, in hockey right now are at an all time crazy.
1: Uh, I, I can't. I don't know if it was Danny Breyer. He was into his sticks a lot or somebody. It was like my first year in pro probably in Buffalo. And and they were talking about sticks and lies and they and somebody, I think it was Danny, Danny grabbed my stick. He's like, she's like, you got to change your lie. I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, well, look at my stick compared to your stick. I'm like, yeah, what's wrong with my stick. It's perfect. And he's like, well, your toe is up or my heel is up. I'm like, I'm like, I don't agree with that because my hands are constantly moving. Your lie changes every second. The only time lie matters is on a face-off when you're bent over in a tripod. And he was like, Oh, yeah, that's a good point. So it, it's it's amazing how again, <laughs> and Danny was a special player, but his mind were completely different than mine because uh? I'm like, No, my my stick is great. It's flat, it's shitty, and I can chip it over a, a goalie shoulder. It works great for me. But when I was talking mm-hmm. to Danny, I'm like, dude, I don't understand lie. Like I, I didn't even know there was an option that you can change the way your shaft angle is i'm like you guys are crazy that's a wrap on another episode
0: of after the whistle don't forget to follow us on twitter after low whistle and at craig Reve 52 at the instigator 76 and you can find us as you already know on apple spotify and youtube and anywhere else where you can get your podcast thanks for tuning in don't forget to spread the word